This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And we yell at you about it for some reason. (laughs) Yeah! Because we're really fired up about candy canes, which is the subject of this week's episode. Each time Matthew and I sit down and schedule some new tapings and we talk about uh, episodes, we pull up a list of suggested episodes, right? Mm -hmm. I think... I think you can probably imagine this. One of the first ones he suggested this week was candy canes. And I don't know what you were expecting my response to be, Matthew, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure that you were not expecting it to be, oh, I've got some candy canes. It was That was not what I was expecting at all. No, and I love unseasonable Christmas things I always find funny. I don't know if you know this, like I've been meaning to tell you this, that I have another podcast that's called Look Inside This Book Club that I co-host with our friend and former guest, Becky Selengut. It is so funny. I love it. Every week on that show, we read and uh, we, we have like a fake book club and read and make fun of a romance novel. And my favorite kind of romance novel to pick is a Christmas romance, but only in like February. Yeah. Okay. Did you do one this February? Oh, I, we absolutely did. It was one, it was like a paranormal shape-shifting romance where it was like Santa's elves, but they were also sexy and they were also sometimes wolves. Oh, cool. I'm going to go look it up. I don't think I listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It was called Mrs. Like, I don't know, like M- Mrs. Claus gets it done or something like that. I don't remember. When, whenever you're being sexy, do you ever turn into a wolf? Is there ever like any like, rawr, rawr, or like gnashing? Um, or I like mean, I will now. Fighting, yeah, yeah. There's 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 clawing. There's well, I, I turn into Wolverine there's... from uh, <laughs> from the movie Wolverine and other movies. Um, and uh, so like I can heal really fast, and I have uh, I've like metal skeleton. And there's a lot of clawing and pawing. There's a lot a lot of clawing and pawing. <laughs> Yeah, like remember, remember in health class when you got when you got lectures about uh, like the the dangers clawing of, of clawing and pawing. And pawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, all right, that was what they meant by heavy petting. Right? Exactly. 
pawing. Anyway, all right. So today we're talking about candy canes. I happened to have some in my candy cupboard, which is a place in my Ooh, house. Okay. No, I want, let's hear more about this candy cupboard. Like how many pounds of candy are in there at any given time? And like, what's the range of products? Okay. So June and I both really enjoy candy. Ash, not so much. <laughs> Ash is an ice cream person. Okay. You know, it, it takes it takes all kinds of people to make up a family. Our family, one ice cream person, two candy people. Yeah. I, I feel anyway, like you are, you are talking about your family as if they were jelly beans from the back of a jelly belly package like if you you combine these what you you get one ice cream person plus two candy people equals some sort of hybrid so the candy cupboard is right now what is in it is a like a a a quart-sized deli container Mm -hmm. that has the last of june's easter candy okay then there is you're going to really like this one of the kleenex boxes that is like a cube you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. That size. June turned it into her like uh, candy treasure chest. She's decorated it. And it's filled with, uh, in part, her Halloween candy from I last October. So we've got two containers filled with candy in there. And then up on the top shelf, in what is technically no longer the candy cupboard, it's like, you know, sort of the peanut butter area. <laughs> um, we have some like assorted candies that we had bought to use to decorate a gingerbread house in December. Can I rant about this for just a second? Oh, please. So June loves the Great British Baking Show, but what she Loves is the master classes of it, not the actual competition. I've never seen the show. Oh, okay. So my, well, I know it my, has Mary Berry and and Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, my child loves watching it. I've never seen the actual like, competition type episodes, but on Netflix or whatever, there is a series of dedicated episodes. It's like a cooking show, but it's just Mary and Paul. Okay. June loves it. Pretty much every episode involves a lot of candied fruits and a lot of treacle. (laughs) June now knows about like stem ginger and candied violets and things. Has she been asking you to like lay in a supply of these British baking ingredients? Well, Do you have I treacle is, in your house? What I love is that she is so used to recipes that involve a lot of candied fruits mm-hmm. that she doesn't understand that like this is not like a typical American baking repertoire. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. But Mary Berry and Paul made a really beautiful gingerbread house. And June watched the episode like last November and was like, Mama, can we make this gingerbread house? So I printed out the recipe for Mary Berry's gingerbread house. Matthew, it was so beautiful. It was the first time I'd ever made a gingerbread house from scratch. And, and it uh, worked? Ma- no, that's what I was going to say <laughs> is that what was beautiful What was beautiful about it is, is not that it worked because it didn't work. Okay. There was Good. way too much butter in the dough. Like an insane amount of butter in the dough. Oh, no, it wouldn't I, hold together. It was ridiculous. My heart is hold pounding on. as you're. Go ahead, go ahead. It was so stressful. I think I was actually texting you while I was working on it. Probably, I, but I think I've. I think I blocked it out. Yeah, I, I've tried to block it out, and I can't. No, what I was going to say is, I think if my family tried to like get together and make a gingerbread house from scratch, like after that, we would break up as a family. We would all three go our separate way. All four, including the cat. The cow would be like, like, fuck it, like, I can't deal with you people anymore and never speak to each other again. In general, I really struggle with large uh, or with like baking projects with my kid. Like, I've gotten better at small baking projects, you know, like cookies and things like that. But like, oh my God, some of our like funniest slash most painful family inside jokes involve 
episodes when I attempted to cook elaborate things that June wanted to make with me and I completely fall apart and start swearing at the recipes. This has happened multiple times. I can't, oh, I can't yeah, no. deal it's, with it. I don't think it's your fault at all. Like the thing is like, it's it's great in principle to like, you know, get together with your kid in the kitchen and like have your kid help you cook or bake. But the, here's the thing. Kids are bad at cooking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, so uh, I committed to making Mary Berry's gingerbread house. First time I've ever made a gingerbread house. The recipe so clearly did not work. The dough was terrible. It was so buttery. It like it couldn't even hold together. After losing it a bit and swearing mm-hmm. at the dough and getting really upset and then getting kind of mad at June because she was too like because she was in the room. Sure. I finally managed to massage the dough into an approximate shape of these different pattern pieces for the gingerbread house. And the only part of it that was really gratifying is that she, Mary Berry has you crush up hard candies, like yellow and orange hard candies, and nice. then sprinkle them into the windows to make kind of stained glass windows for your gingerbread house. Are you following? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It was That was beautiful. But what I was going to say is by the time I finished making the walls of the gingerbread house and baking them... I needed to lie down for like a week. And I was like, June, June, we'll decorate this later. I can't deal right now. Well, of course, we never decorated it. The pieces for the gingerbread house (laughs) sat in a Tupperware for like two weeks on the counter. And to this day, we still have, I'm holding up to show Matthew, some candy canes that Mm -hmm. we bought for it. And this whole like candy assortment from our local grocery store that was like put together specifically to decorate gingerbread houses. So that's way up in the candy cabinet, too. Okay, but I think that's a better use for those things than gluing them to a piece of gingerbread. Yeah. I'm happy to report that when I took down these candy canes, I sort of squeezed some of the candies in the general like candy tub, and they were all still really good, so I'm keeping them. I'm going to eat them. You squeeze them, meaning you you like squeeze them like you would test out test a peach. Yes. Well, yeah, they were gummies, so you know you gotta you gotta perform the squeeze test on your gummies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to eat an underripe gummy. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Anyway, so, yeah, that's why I've got candy canes still kicking around in my candy cupboard. Um, By the way, I mean, who doesn't have a candy cupboard? Why? Matthew, do you? I mean, you don't have one. How are you surviving? No, of course we do. I mean, we we have the root cellar. Oh, you have the root cellar. No, the root cellar currently contains about six pounds of chocolate chips. Not an exaggeration. Um... (laughs) Have we talked about this? That uh, since since the quarantine started, uh, we we have ordered over ten pounds of chocolate. We haven't eaten all of it yet. You didn't tell me it was that much. But we're well on the way, and that is not in any way an exaggeration. We ordered uh, ten pounds of Ghirardelli chocolate chips, and then two pounds of chocolate from a uh, local high end chocolate seller called the Chocolate Man. Wow. Oh, awesome. And probably um, some other chocolate I forgot about. That is impressive. We have been doing that with like baked goods, mm-hmm. doing so many baked goods. Um, yeah, no, and there's other stuff. There's a bunch of my my uh, my mom got a bunch of gummy, gave us a bunch of gummy bears because <gasps> she bought more than she needed. Uh, yeah. And so we have a bunch of, of like the good stuff, like the Haribo gold bears. That's in, oh, the, that's in the root cellar. Yes. 
Other stuff for sure. Cool. I love this. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about candy canes because I did the research on this episode and I learned a lot. I Yeah, you know what? I, I looked at I looked at it just just long enough to print out the agenda. I was like, I don't know anything about candy canes and I'm just going to leave this one up to you and see how it goes. Well, here is here's how it's going to go. Let's start with memory lane. Matthew. So, I am Jewish, but we grew up celebrating Christmas just cuz like it was an American thing to do. We would always decorate the tree every year, and I remember my mom would always bring out a box of old candy canes, getting older and older every year, like still in the plastic wrap, not meant for eating, just meant for hanging on the tree. Yes, And sometimes one of them would be broken inside the plastic wrap and and either get thrown away or hung on the tree anyway. I don't remember which, probably some of each. I wonder um, if like every American family has this like collection of candy canes that have been kicking around in the Christmas ornament box for decades. Yeah, no, and and I'm curious now, like if you if you're listening and you're any of my parents, are there candy canes still in your storage space somewhere? Get in touch. Contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I never really enjoyed eating the peppermint candy canes very much, but I did like the rainbow ones that aren't minty. I don't know how I feel about that today. Yeah. They're kind of uh, generically fruit flavored. Kind of like the try the old trident fruit flavor. Kind of, yeah, a lot like that. Yeah. I loved that. You know, something I realized recently, I'm going to, I'm going to detour from candy canes again. Like, Ever since, like, uh, you know, Method and Seventh Generation and, and other, like, uh, you know, better better for the environment and your home uh, cleaning products came on the market, they always want to want to sell you on how they, they smell like something natural, you know, like, uh, like lemongrass and lavender or, you know, something like that. It's always very appealing. But I've come to realize what I really want my soap to smell like is soap. I what does take, soap even smell like? Like ivory soap, like sort of some sort of like generic, like soap vaguely, smell. vaguely floral, vaguely chemical, not very strong fragrance or unscented is fine, too. Wow. This is, I love this is my love rant this, for the day. This is your fiery rant and I love mm-hmm. it. Well, speaking of soap, I'm currently using a bar of soap that is double mint scented. So, Like the gum? No, no. It's just, it's like a bar of soap from PCC and it's even got like mint leaves ground up in it. If so it's kind of gritty. made bar soap, like flavored, like scented like its most popular gums, like big red soap, <gasps> double mint soap, spearmint soap. Yes. What's the juicy fruit soap? Yes. I'd be all over that, right? Yes. I think I'd be oh, into that. I want I'd big buy that instead soap. of my instead of my PCC soap. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, my memory lane, yeah, I, about the same as yours. You know, my family, I don't remember us having candy canes for the Christmas tree, but my family certainly does now, the family okay, that yeah. I am building. I remember- <laughs> building, You're building it like, uh, like you built that like, gingerbread house. Yeah, exactly. There is so much butter in this family. It is really hard to get it to hold together. Uh, It just keeps breaking apart into these greasy chunks. (laughs) That's what your new book is about. Yeah, it is. That's what we call divorce. When a family breaks apart into greasy chunks. Um, Sad and gross. It is gross. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say is that as a kid, I remember I remember really enjoying candy canes. You know, you always they they seem like they're gonna just taste like Starlight Mints, but they don't. They're so much. I think they're so much better than Starlight Mints or or any kind of like the little 
hard candy peppermint. Right. I hadn't really thought about the connection Starlight between mints. Starlight Mints and uh, and candy canes until wife of the show, Lori, mentioned that uh, a classic candy cane is a lot like a Starlight Mint because it's got like yeah. the crinkly wrapper and the and the stripes. Are you thinking of the old joke we made on the show yeah, about yeah, Starlight yeah. Mints? Was that the grilled cheese episode? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, that's one of my favorite old spilled milk bits. So, uh, guys, go look for it. You'll you'll find out some fun stuff about Matthew and Lori's <laughs> sex life. It may or may not be true. We'll leave it to you to decide. Anyway, yeah, it's, uh, uh, so, it's, a, it's as true as the Wolverine stuff. Okay. So what I remember also about candy canes is that I never seem to finish them. Like, that is a really a, good point. I don't think I've ever eaten a whole candy, except the mini ones. That's true. I, but, although the mini ones I find kind of, I, I just kind of never want the mini ones. They just seem like something to put in your pocket and then mess with until they're broken. Yeah, although I like the packaging of the mini ones when they come in like like a like a strip of sealed plastic oh, bubbles. You're kind of. right. You're right. That is nice. That's that's pretty. Like and you can Oh, you've got one right there. I've got I've got two of them. I've got two mini classic candy canes and wow. then I've got a whole box here of trolley or trolley brand sour bright curvy canes. Oh, wow. Sour bright curvy canes sounds sexy. It does. I think I I liked candy canes. My kid really loves candy canes. Like, we'll choose them often above other candies that are available to her at oh, Christmas wow. time. And I find that fascinating and surprising. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think teenager the show Iris when they were younger really had a thing for candy canes, especially. Maybe maybe as like uh, as a as a symbol of Christmas, but not as yes. an actual craveable candy. Well, would you like would you like me to tell you what, what candy canes really are a symbol of? Yeah, I would love that. Supposedly Great in history. Thank you. Thank you. Was there anything else you wanted to say about Memory Lane? Well, this this might be something we should get to later, but like you know, when you go to like a, a county fair or like some kind of tourist trap, and they and there's someone selling like a wide array of different flavors of candy sticks that are not they're about the size of a classic candy cane, but are not cane shaped. They're just a stick. They are striped, and you can get like root beer and raspberry and mint and like any you know seventeen other flavors. Do those count as candy canes? They're at least in the family. They're in the family, okay. but I, I would like to—I'd like to propose that we come back to those. Okay, let's because, do that because because we're going to get there, Matthew. Okay, great. But we we have to we have to tiptoe along the path of history to return. Okay, to the great. state fair, county fair, whatever it was, tourist trap where you it said was all you can get things. these candy canes. Okay. Um, oh, you know where you could always get that kind of stuff reliably was like Cracker Barrel. Do you oh, remember? I never went. I've never been to Cracker Barrel. Oh, I've been to a few Cracker Barrels in my I've been day. To, I've been and, to like a Denny's that had a retail section. Although that, that, uh, I might be thinking of Japanese Denny's. You might be. Oh, God. I'm familiar okay. with the concept of a family restaurant that has a retail corner. Okay. All right. Well, so um, as usual, I used Wikipedia as my main source here. I know that there's probably a lot that I'm missing, and I feel a little bit nervous to discuss candy canes, Matthew, because they're so connected to Christianity. And so, so you think maybe you should have gotten back to the primary source on this, the Bible? I think I probably should have gone back to the primary source, yeah. Or I should have time-traveled in my uh, my... Did the magic? Yeah, the magic school bus time traveled. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, all right. So this is a common origin story <laughs> okay. for the candy cane. All right, get ready. 
You're ready. So in 1670 in Cologne, Germany, the choir master at Cologne Cathedral was trying to figure out how to keep the kids in the, the sanctuary <laughs> quiet during the Christmas Eve service. All right. So he asked a local candy maker to make some like sugar sticks for them. And in order to justify giving candy to children mm. during worship services, he asked the candy maker to add a crook to the top of each stick, which would help the children remember the servants who visited the infant Jesus. Oh, Hold I on. don't think this story is true. Go ahead. Wait a minute. Yeah. In addition, he used the color white of the sticks to teach children about the Christian belief in the sinless life of Jesus. From Germany, candy canes spread to other parts of Europe where they were handed out during plays reenacting the nativity. The candy cane became associated with Christmas this way. Let me go on. So Susan Benjamin, who is the founder of True Treats Historic Candy and the author of Sweet as Sin, the unwrapped story of how candy became America's pleasure, Oh, that's a good book title. Right? Uh, She agrees. She agrees, actually. And this woman is a candy scholar. She agrees that the candy cane most likely took shape in 17th century Europe when apparently pulled sugar candies were all the rage. How did the priests back then uh, teach the children not to pull their sugar, if you know what I mean? Benjamin, Susan Benjamin, says that the Cologne Cathedral story has some credibility but she thinks it's just as likely that Germans added the hook to hang the, the to be able to hang the candy from the tree alongside the cookies and fruits that they were already hanging from the tree. Okay, here's what I'm not buying about this story. Like okay. I maybe I, I have no no uh, doubt that uh, that they may have uh, originated in Germany around this time. But like a German church guy in the 17th century is not going to try and pacify children by giving them candy. He's going to threaten them with damnation. Or and possible, or cor- possibly corporal, corporal punishment. punishment, right? But I don't know. I mean, we're talking about in the Cologne Cathedral. We're talking about like, I mean, well, I don't I even know think, what that is. Well, it's a big cathedral in Cologne. Okay, that was my guess. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, do we think that corporal punishment or, or or yelling at them was allowed? Well, maybe this was. I mean. This, this was a long time ago when things were even worse than now. That's true. Okay. Well, uh, okay. All right. Well, then let's let's move on to some other thoughts. So okay. most candy historians do agree on something, which is that the, the white candy cane, okay, the original candy cane, made its U.S. debut in 1847 in Ohio. This is according to the National Confectioners Association, when a German-Swedish immigrant named August Imgard decorated a Christmas tree with paper ornaments and candy canes. Huh. So it was it was hanging out in Europe for like 170 years Maybe? Before, before it showed up in Ohio. That's fine. I guess. Anyway, also according to the National Confectioners Association, uh, candy canes were entirely white until mass production came about, which okay. we'll get to in a minute. I want to wait. I want to talk about this because I okay. find the idea of a pure white candy cane really disturbing. Really? Because, Is it? Yeah. No, I imagine like if I saw that, I would the two thoughts that would pop to my mind are number one, it's been flayed. Number two, somebody mm. licked off all the red parts and put it back in the package. Uh, Yeah, fair, fair. Although then it would probably be pink. Yeah, that's true. No, I think so. When you've when you had a candy cane, you've been sucking on the end for a while. It's pretty white, I think. 
maybe I'll try here with these mini cakes. Okay. Yeah, minute. yeah. Anyway, but I, you know, at the same time as all this other history I'm finding that says that candy canes were white until mass production, I'm also seeing references to striped canes much earlier. Uh, many say that the red stripe is to symbolize the blood of Jesus. Number one, gross. Number two, and this is a serious question and probably we don't know the answer, but is there a connection between barber poles and candy canes? Oh. Because they look exactly the same, right? They do, except the barber poles spin around and candy yeah, canes. Yeah, but you can spin a candy cane don't. around. It's true. You're do- right I mean, now. you're doing it right now. <laughs> and, and that reminds me, I need a haircut. <laughs> I know. I, my bangs are driving me crazy as we tape this episode. They are so... Long, yeah, they're, they're really they're really out there. Okay, some also say that the candy's J shape is a nod to Jesus. Hmm. Although Susan Benjamin, our True Treats historic candy founder, says that 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 is incorrect. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get to the bottom of this. Well, I mean, nobody would would put up like a picture of a candy cane with the with the curved Upside part on the down. bottom, right? That's that true. would that would look ridiculous. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Here's another thing that uh, sort of goes back to the idea that um, they were curved to to remind children of the shepherds who visited the infant Jesus. Mm-hmm. So apparently uh, for St. Nicholas Day celebrations or, or the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is, that is in early December. Is different Christmas? It is different. Okay. It's in early December. Candy canes are often given to kids to represent the curved staff or crozier of the Christian bishop St. Nicholas. Crozier's allude to the good shepherd, which is a metaphor for Jesus, of course. Okay. I mean, I could I could buy this. Like the, the, I think the I could buy shepherd this too. staff is a really iconic shape. It is. And and so is the candy cane. It also is is the correct orientation, you know, with the curved part up. Yeah. Question. What does yeah. the shepherd do with the staff? Doesn't he use it to hook the necks of, of sheep who are going astray? I guess that would make sense, yeah. I don't know. Is that what the hook does? That seems kind of cruel. I mean, it's yeah, it's like... It, I'm is sure that... he does stick it into the flock, though, and use it to steer them around. Right. Next question. Is that the origin of, like, the hook that they use to pull you off stage when, yes. when you're, like, screwing up at open mic? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
I'm going to open up this mini candy cane and and start eating it while okay. while yeah. we talk. Anyway, mentions of and recipes for peppermint candy sticks start showing up in books in the mid 1800s. Candy canes were initially manufactured by hand. And okay. Matthew, have you been into the Papa Bubble store in Nakano, Tokyo? Yes, I have. Well, so it's a Spanish candy company. <laughs> what a, what that a weird po- coincidence that I that I've been to, been to this uh, particular candy store in Tokyo. <laughs> So this is a Spanish company. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's it's written out it's like the American. It's uh, pronounced Michael Buble. <laughs> it's written out like the American words Papa Bubble. It's a Spanish company that makes all kinds of pulled sugar, like hard candies. Anyway, so I imagine that that's what it looks like when candy canes are being made. Oh, yeah. If you've never seen like pulled hard candies being made, it is wild. Uh, it's really it, cool. It looks, I mean, it looks dangerous. There's like, it, it requires multiple people. It's it's like serious, intense exercise. And it looks like, like the, the sugar already looks kind of like hard candy, like while they're pulling it. So it looks like they're defying the laws of physics. I'm working my way through this little mini candy. Oh yeah, see look, it's it's already turning white where you've been sucking but on it. So far the the stripes that are coming off are the thinner ones, not the the thicker. We'll, we'll I'll keep trying. Okay. Anyway, in 1919, this guy named Robert McCormick in Georgia started making candy canes for, you know, for selling locally. And by the 1950s, so like 30 years later, his company had become one of the world's leading producers of uh, candy his company canes. Of, uh, yes. Okay. His company was the famous candy company, <laughs> then became the Mills McCormack Candy Company, and then later okay. Bob's Candies, which is now owned by Ferrara. Oh, Ferrara Pan, makers of uh, Lemonheads? Yes, yes. The Bunte Brothers, which was a Chicago candy company, filed one of the earliest patents for candy cane making machines in the early 1920s. Did you look on YouTube to see like if there's a video of a candy cane production line in action? I didn't. Because did I'm you? curious like how the machine forms the hook. Mm, I did read a little bit about okay. that, but I don't really remember it. But anyway, so here's what's interesting is that initially manufacturing didn't include bending the stick. Okay. Oh. So early candy cane manufacturing required a fair bit of actual human labor that kept production limited because as the candy sticks came off the line, they had to be manually bent. And apparently breakage was like over 20%. Okay. So you know how when people ask you what you do for a living and you say, I'm a podcaster and they're like, either what is that? Or yeah, right. Um, Yeah. We need to start identifying ourselves. Let's get new business cards printed up. We're we're um, candy cane benders, like a real a real like you know a job you do with your hands. Yes, everyone will understand that. You know the the early part of the the twentieth century would have been a really good time to work in candy cane manufacturing because if breakage was like twenty percent, I mean, do you think you got to take home some of the broken candy canes? Yeah, and I'm sure that made it a good job. Yeah. It sounds great. <laughs> that was what the jungle was written about, right? Candy cane <laughs> I think factories. So, yeah. Like the, yeah, the sheer number of like puncture wounds from broken candy canes. They had a sign up at the factory that said, like, you know, it's been X number of days since someone's been stabbed in the leg with a candy cane. Never got above one. No. McCormack's brother-in-law, who is Gregory Harding Keller, who was also an ordained Roman Catholic priest. Okay. This is, this is too much information. Patented something I don't something think it is. The, I think it's just enough. Patented something called the Keller machine in 1957, which automated the bending process. <laughs> So this, 
I love. <laughs> there's so I, I much just, going on there. There's so much going on. And anyway, today, apparently, canes, before they are bent, they're inserted into the plastic sleeve. So they're bent in the sleeve. Although I can't imagine that's true for the minis. Uh, but the ones that are the ones that are individually wrapped, I don't know, man. How could that be? That's what Wikipedia told me, and Wikipedia is never wrong. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to visualize this also because it seems like the package isn't. Oh, oh wait, oh no, the big the big ones are are like like tightly wrapped. I think maybe yeah, that could even, work. You think that could work? I think that could work. How does it yeah. not split the plastic? Uh, I mean, probably the plastic's warm. Also, maybe. Maybe. Well, so Matthew, while we've been eating, I've, I've been working on this mini candy cane, as I'm sure our listeners have heard and lamented. Yeah. How's um, the how's the color looking? Oh, yeah. See, it looks white now. Eh, on still that a trace side, of stripe. On that side, yeah. but on this side. But I think, you know, because the the mini ones are thinner, like the the uh, relative depth of the of the red dye is, is greater. And so it, it yeah. like you have to suck it down to like just a really thin sliver before before you've removed the dye with your tongue. This is really tasty. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. I, it's kind Good. of something that's like nice to sort of mind mindlessly suck on. I've mentioned before that I used to work with an annoying guy who was constantly had it, one of those root beer barrel candies in his mouth and was always clicking it with his teeth and always smelled like a root beer barrel candy. Mm -hmm. If that, I mean, so I so I wrote that guy off as like harmlessly annoying, but if that guy had always been like licking a candy cane around the office like all all year long, I would have thought, okay, definite psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm How licking you... a candy cane at the office like you're doing right now is what I, I know. <laughs> it's also really hard to lick a candy cane without, yeah, just showing a lot of your tongue all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can we go back to Gregory Keller for just a minute? So he Let's was a, do. He was a uh, Catholic priest and patented the Keller machine. Do you think he had mm -hmm. both of those things on his business card? Because oh, I feel I'm like sure I would raise did. many questions. I'm sure he did. Like, no, like Greg Keller, priest. Invent. Whoa. Molly is holding up a purple candy cane that is bent in such a way that it really looks like a like a staff, like, a, like sure, a crozier. I'm pretty sure that this one could have been bent in the, the plastic. I mean, do you see? think the shape? First of all, could you please take a photo of that one so we can show the listeners? Would you take a screenshot? I will. I will take a screenshot. Do you think it's supposed to be that shape, or is there like an oops, oops, all crozers at the no. uh, at the candy cane factory? No, it's because oh, these are called cur I see. curvy that, canes. The, the curvy canes because they're because they're weirdly shaped. Yeah. Um. It says that they'll. Oh, let's see. They'll make you say these are very tasty. Who wrote this ad copy? Uh, I don't know. Like, it, it's trolley brand, right? So I think a troll. Yes, one of those tr okay. from the movie Trolls World Tour. I'm gonna taste this one. June said they're delicious, and I bet I'm gonna love this because it's sour. You ready? It's a purple one. Yeah, <laughs> it's blue raspberry <laughs> flavor. You, you don't love it. <laughs> I shouldn't have chosen the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very sour. Okay. Which color would you have chosen? I would have chosen green. It's green and orange. Yep, I would have chosen that one. This is not very sour. This is not very tasty. Sorry. Should I, no, it's like, to try a green you know one? What, you know what you've got I'll there is, one. you know how they make those at the trolley factory? Uh, they take stale gummy worms that have, that have hardened... <laughs> To to a brittle <laughs> texture, and uh, then wrap them in plastic and call them curvy canes. <laughs> the so green one's even the, worse. 
the green one, I don't know if you can see, is alternating with orange. Uh huh. So it's like this weird citrusy mess that just kind of tastes like plastic. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. So, Matthew, when you eat these, mm-hmm. do you start at the straight end or the curved end? That is a really good question. And because I don't have a candy cane in my hand right now, I'm honestly not sure, but I think probably the straight end. I hold the the, the crooked end the way I used to hold my crozier during my shepherding days. And Wait, then upside I, down? Well, well no, but but yes, yes, like like I'm like I'm lifting my my staff to because I'm about to address my flock. Like this. No, but but yes, but then but then I turn the other end up toward my mouth. Like that. Wait, yeah. So so Matthew says that when he's when he's addressing his flock of sheep, yeah. he turns his crozier upside down. Well, but so okay. that the curly part is resting on the ground? No, like I hold it up by the curly part. That's the handle. And like that and like is it's pointing not what you that is not how they do it. I mean, I'll now that you're showing you me with an shepherd. actual prop, you're right. It doesn't make it the thing I said doesn't <laughs> that make any doesn't sense. Look right. You would hold it up like this. Like I would, with the curly right, part. I would hold up. it up like that. So, okay, so I uh, change <laughs> new story. When I eat a candy cane, I hold it up like above my mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and then slowly and then, lower the straight end down into your mouth. Right, exactly. So that you can keep the curved end up. Yeah. I see. I'm sick of that. Okay. Unless, well, unless you have a problem my, with that story too. I hold my crozier upside down when I'm eating candy canes because I do the, the straight end first, but I, I like to use the, the curved end as a, a handle. Yeah. No, in fact, now that I think about it, I don't think I even like eating the curved end. Because like there's no think, there's no satisfying way to get it into your mouth. Well, either you work your way down to that part so that all that's left is the like U shape of the curved end, and then you have sure. to put the whole thing in your mouth, mm-hmm. and you have to like rotate it around. It kind of becomes like a weird turnstile for your tongue. <laughs> you know, you know what yeah, I mean. That's exactly it. Yes, turnstile okay, for well, your tongue. Well, so okay, but Matthew, if you were going to eat a candy cane. Yeah. Which which size would you want? Would you want the mini? Would you want the regular? Or and here's where we can start talking about the those like big like quote unquote artisanal ones. Now the artisanal ones that I'm thinking of are the same as like the regular size candy cane. Oh, I'm thinking of these big ones that I've seen in the past few years. It's some sort of company with like it starts with an H or something. Oh, I don't know what you're talking like about, but I'm interested. High end candy candy canes that are like giant. No, I don't know those, but but uh, if you if you find them, see if you can find them, and we'll post a link because I'd like to know okay. more about this. No, the ones I'm thinking of are are really just the same size as like the regular classic medium sized candy cane that you'd hang on your tree, uh, but are not curved. Okay. And and they are sold in like a bunch of glass jars and like you you pull like the root beer one you want out of the jar yes. and they're like three yes. for a dollar or something. How do you feel about other types of candy using the shape of a curly can I mean a candy cane? Like <laughs> so <laughs> Like what? Like like an M and M that's that's where that something incredibly you know, unnatural has happened like, to like a container of M and M's that's candy cane shaped oh. and sold at Christmas time filled with M and M's. I'm not sure how I could have a strong feeling <laughs> pro or con on that. It's just M and M's, you know, in a different shaped container. So obviously, I like it. 
but okay. it also probably costs more than the equivalent amount of M&M's uh, sold in just a sack. So I'm probably going to go sack. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go sack. You're going to go sack. And then you'll never go back. When you think of candy canes, do you like automatically think of peppermint ones or is your vision of candy canes now so broadened to include visions of because because these... of the wisdom that you've you've imparted over the last 40 minutes <laughs> no, to include like the root beer ones or the the cherry flavored ones no like when if you, you say candy peppermint. cane, I think medium-sized peppermint like the ones that we would hang on the tree in my youth okay Okay, I think that's good. I think that's right. Yes. I think that that Yes, if is I thought right. if I thought of a different kind of candy cane, <laughs> I would be a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's been our candy cane and episode. A, and a 17th century German choir director would yell at me. Yes. Do you have any anything to add? No, I don't think I do, but like I'm I I didn't realize until we started talking about this like what a soft spot I have for the uh various flavors of non-curved candy canes that you can get yeah. at a tourist trap or, or state fair because like which one was... would you buy <sighs> okay i this just came back to me i don't know like i i don't really remember what all the flavors are but i would probably get you know something something fruit flavored but i do remember that sometimes there would be a flavor called whorehound are what? you familiar with this word? It's H-O-R-E-H-O-U-N-D. And I think I've seen this, uh, like, a, is it like an old soda? It's an old soda. Yeah, I think it's like like how, um, okay, so whorehound is a common name applied to two related genera of flowering plants in the family Lamiaceae. Uh, they refer to whorehound beer, a carbonated soft drink, mm. flavored primarily with herbs, double hops, and cane sugar. So it's it's like how there used to be a bunch of different root beer like things and now it's you know like there you know there used to be sarsaparilla and like it would appear yes. at, at a spelling bee um yes i mean because you would have to spell it i think whorehound was another thing like that like uh like there were a bunch of different root beers like named after the particular root that was used like birch beer or like birch, birch beer exactly beer? but yeah yeah okay. so of course i would the, the answer is i would get whorehound because it's a funny word and it would taste like root beer okay fair enough yeah what which one would you choose honestly I know this is kind of gross, but I feel like I might choose like a general, like, yeah, like a general fruit flavor, like the ones you liked as a kid. But um, I don't, I don't think they have that in the display that I'm talking about. I think, I think they have what about, more like, like cherry flavored. Fruit. I think cherry would be a very good choice. Yeah. I think okay. that's the right answer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any, think, any other, I, any other answer would be incorrect. I think I feel okay about getting cherry. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Okay, so you can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com where we'll post a picture of Molly holding up a, a weirdly shaped candy cane. You can find us at Facebook.com slash SpilledMilkPodcast where you can let us know what what's your favorite flavor uh, at, the, at the candy cane-like candy stick display at the tourist trap. What else did we talk about? You can find us on Instagram at SpilledMilkPodcast. Mm -hmm. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Yes, please leave us a review wherever you find the show. We haven't said that in a while. Happy Christmas in June, everyone. Yeah, happy Christmas in June. I mean, Christmas in July is the thing. Yeah, what, right? where the, does that come from? I don't really know. Um, Do you want to look it up? I want to look it up, because, like, I think every, it's, everyone knows the term. Oh, okay, wait. Christmas in July. Christmas in July is a Christmas celebration held in July, the nature of which differs by hemisphere. Okay. Um... Wow, I think this is going to have to be like a whole bonus episode because there's a lot to it. Okay. 
It has to do in part with the fact that uh, December is the middle of summer in the Southern Hemisphere, and so it doesn't mm. really fit with the rest of the Christmas iconography. But there's also something involving a, an 1892 French opera, etc. Well, let's do a Christmas in July episode. Let's yeah, let's do a Christmas in July episode. I don't think it's food related, but maybe a bonus episode. Okay. There was a Hollywood right, comedy written and directed by Preston Sturgis in 1940 called Christmas in July. Great. I'm just going to do okay. the whole thing right now. Okay. Well, I'm Molly Weisenberg. Well, we're starting the show over. <laughs> oh, oh wait, no, <laughs> that's not how we start the show. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Wait a minute, we didn't do a closing joke. Happy holidays, everyone, from our hearts <laughs> to yours. I'm Molly Weisenberg, and I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Uh, this episode airs oh, yeah, on June twenty fifth. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Okay. So Matthew, oh, I guess we should start. Do we start the show? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 